And the new series is in uh, talking about the life of Samson. And really, I wanted to kind of get you prompted a little bit, primed for responding, because here we go. I want you to respond to a few things. You ready? I believe that there are two kinds of movies, and I'm going to, to say something and leave a blank for you to respond audibly. Okay, you ready? There are two kinds of movies, good ones and... Chick flicks. <laughs> there, are, <laughs> there are good ones and chick flicks. All right. There are two kinds of shopping that purposeful in and out get only what you need and wasting time, wasting time. <laughs> and the way your spouse shops, right? Um, and that's kind of how it goes. Okay. There are many opportunities in life for us to really think about things in only one way or another. Um, sometimes it feels as though there are only two kinds of men. And, and in this message this morning, I'm going to use the word man, men or man, but this is not a hate on or elevate men type of message. This is a, hey, we're going to use a general word, men, to describe both men and women, to describe humans. Is that okay? Can I do that? Okay, wonderful. So let's continue on. There, sometimes it feels like there are only two kinds of men, heroes or Villains, wonderful. Strong or? Good. There are those who are honest or those who are? Dishonest. Wow, dishonest. Liars. <laughs> Man, you guys are so formal. Okay. So here's what I think is in, in the scriptures in the Old Testament, it was, um, there's a book about the prophet Ezekiel, and it's in the Old Testament, and, and Ezekiel was hearing from the Lord, and the Lord was looking out all across Israel, and he was looking for, he was looking for a specific type of man, and it, here's what he says, Ezekiel 22, verse 30, he says, and I sought a man from among them. God was looking for this man among Israel. I sought a man among them who should build up the wall. I saw, God said, I'm looking for that man that would work on my behalf among the people who should build up the wall and stand in the breach before me for the land. He said, a man, I want, I want someone that will stand in some of the weakest points of our defenses. And God said, if I could find that, I would not destroy it. He said that I should not destroy it. I was looking for it just so I wouldn't destroy it. God was looking for this strong man who loved and lived as though God directed Israel and did what God directed Israel to do. But here's the conclusion that God had. But I found none. God was searching for and wanted to find a strong man that would stand in the gap. One, and he could not find one among all of Israel. Which leads me to a question. Is this true in the church today? Is this true in the church today? Are we lacking in people and men who will stand in the gap? Are we lacking in people who will stand up that will fight the good fight? People that will love their spouses. People that will raise godly children. 
So if we looked out at the men here at First Casterville, if we looked out, I believe this, that we would not find just one. I think we would find many. We would find many that are, are standing, that are building, that are protecting, that are living out the, those things that God calls us to live out as people of God who are committed to joining him in his purpose. I believe that we'll look out and we'll find many that do so. But just as there are heroes and villains, there are those that are living up to their potential and those that aren't. Anyone familiar with D.L. Moody? D.L. Moody, he was a, a preacher in the, in the late 1800s, so 1850s, 60s, that kind of area era. So D.L. Moody, he was uh, first in England, and he was challenged in a sermon by a person named Henry Varley. Henry Varley was talking about what happens when people love God and what happens when people do what God asks them to do. And as he listened to this man, the, this person in England exclaimed, Henry Varley exclaimed, the world has yet to see what God can do through a man that is fully yielded to him. To which I would say, uh, what about Jesus, right? We, we know that happened with Jesus, but what about just a natural man? The world has yet to see what God can do through a person that is fully yielded to him. And these words, they captivated D.L. Moody. They captivated his heart and his mind. And he was a man that was without a great education. In fact, when they printed his sermons and stuff in the, in the newspaper, the, the columnists, the editors would just kind of just shriek at his use of grammar, his punctuation and, and misspellings and all of these things. But D.L. Moody, he changed so much about Christianity that we know. And he heard what Varley said. And he said, he responded with this, by the grace of God, I will be that man. By the grace of God, I will be that man that is fully yielded to God so that we can see what God can do through someone that is fully yielded to him. And I believe that we have men who have responded to that challenge and that will continue to respond to that challenge. And so this is not only a man thing. This is a woman thing. This is a person who follows Jesus kind of thing, what would it look like if your life was fully yielded to God? Can you imagine what God would do through you? Could you imagine what God would do when your heart is fully yielded to him and it seeks to do not your will, but his will? So as we begin this series today, looking at this familiar character in the Old Testament, Samson, he's a man that was made legendary uh, by his accomplishments, his feats of strength, but he was made infamous by his weakness. Samson was a man who is just like us. He was a man that had amazing God-given potential with a tendency to self-destruct. Anyone like, yeah, that's me. Good, thank you for your honesty. The rest of you need to work on that lying thing. Okay, 
We have amazing God-given potential with a tendency to self-destruct, and that may not be in the major areas of life. It may be in the small ones, but still we have those issues because if we don't have those issues, we're probably not that honest. We are all given gifts and talents and abilities and opportunities. And in front of God, through the hands of God, we have unlimited potential. But the trouble is, we hear what God says. He says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. He says that he set us apart for a purpose in his plan. But we hear that. But then at times, we hear that other dialogue that happens, that inner one, that one that helps you to make those decisions that don't do what you thought you wanted to do and causes that trouble inside and that self-destruction that happens. So just, we do that just like Samson. Because Samson was an incredibly strong man with a dangerously weak will. So the story of Samson is told in Judges chapter 13, chapters 13 through 16. And just kind of an overview of Samson. Uh, his parents, uh, they, w- they were wanting to have a child. They couldn't have a child. And an angel of the Lord visited and told them that you're going to give birth to a son and, and that the son is going to be set apart. This son is going to be set apart for the use of God. So this son would deliver his people from the oppression that they were having under the Philistines because they were being oppressed by another nation. And this, this young man, he, this, he would grow up and he would be known for his superhuman strength. In fact, you'll find as you read through chapters 13 through 16 that he tore apart a, bare, a line with his bare hands. He killed 1,000 men with the jawbone of an ox. But we also find out this, this man, he compromised his vow to the Lord for a handful of honey. And he was prone to uncontrollable anger outbursts and fits. We find a man that, that, pay, that, that killed 30 people just to pay off a gambling debt. What we find out about Samson is that he also had an unbridled weakness for, for women. He lusted after them. The life of, Ham, of Samson helps us to identify the strengths that we have, but also shines some light on those weaknesses that kind of come up from within. Because I believe that there are so many of us out there, there are so many men that are so impressive and and so successful and so committed to their work. They're committed to their workout regimen. They're committed to becoming better at a hobby. But they won't commit to fidelity with a woman. We find people that are super motivated, that they are persistent at work, but then they're passive and they're hands off at home. We'll find that that we'll spend three hours or more researching which tool or, or piece of sporting equipment we should buy, but we won't spend five minutes in the Word of God. We find out that we'll say that we love God and we love our spouse, but we're trapped in a secret world of lust. 
So throughout the book of Judges, what we see happen is that God, uh, that God sees his people do wrong in front of him, right? And he sends judges to say, hey, you're doing wrong things. And he delivers them from the oppression that they were having, that they were under. We see good, God do good things and bring the people, right? But then always God brings them into goodness and they walk away. They turn away. They take what God had handed them and then they just throw it off to the side. They have a tendency to self-destruct. In this case, they had been an impression to the Philistines for 40 years. And so in Judges chapter 13, an angel says to a sterile woman, you will give birth to a son. And I want you to set him apart. And more than that, I want you and your husband to live set apart. And this son, he will deliver his people from the Philistines. And he's to take the Nazarite vow, which is basically how a person that's not a priest can say that I'm living a a life that is set apart. It's how they could show that they honor God highly. The information about that is found in Numbers chapter 6. But basically, here's what it is. They vow to not drink strong drink. That means they they vow to not be drunk. They vow to not engage in that type of activity. They vow to not touch anything that is dead, which means anything that is unclean. And, And that also means that they will not eat anything that is unclean. And they also made a promise to not cut their hair. Let's not think about mullets here, okay? We're talking about all the hair growing at the same rate, okay? Because mullets are not godly. And if you had one, you know I'm right. Okay. So they were not to cut their hair. And it was that visible external evidence of what they had made a commitment to God in their life. But what we find out about Samson is that he highlights attitudes that make strong men weak. He highlights these things, these tendencies that we have that make strong men weak. We don't hear much about how Samson grew up. We don't know anything really about how he grew up in his home. But one thing we discover very, very quickly is that Samson was controlled by lust. He was controlled by unbridled desire. So one of the attitudes that makes strong men weak is lust, saying, I want it. Lust makes strong men weak going after those things that we just want. Samson, in this case, he did not listen to the Lord. In this case, Samson is is looking for a wife. He decides, hey, I'm just going to go look for one, okay? And he didn't listen to the Lord. He followed his desires wherever they led them. He followed these wants that just took him one step after another somewhere else. And these wants led him to a place that to the very people, the very nation that had taken his nation captive. So Judges chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. Samson went down to Timnah. And at Timnah, he saw one of the daughters of the Philistines. Samson went into enemy, <clears throat> into enemy territory, which was only four miles from home, but he went to enemy territory, and he went to look around, 
okay? And he looked around and he found exactly what he wanted. He decided that he wanted something or better, he decided that he wanted someone. So after his little vacation down to Timnah, Samson comes home and says, hey, hey, mom, hey, dad. He came up and told his, mo- his father and mother, I saw, I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines at Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. Mm. But his father and his mother said to him, son, is there not a woman among the daughters of your relatives or among all our people that you must go and take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? His mom and dad said to him, listen, um, you got other choices here, bud. You have other things that you could look for. There are plenty of other fish in the sea, right? There are plenty of people on this side of the right place, right? There are more people that share our values. There are more people that come from the same upbringing as you do. Can't you find one that go, is going in the same direction as you? Because this, this, my son, is the way of wisdom. But Samson said to his father, he said, Get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. I've already found, Samson says, I've already found that I went and I looked and I got, I want what I saw. And I don't really care. I don't care what you or mom say. I know what I like and I want it. It doesn't matter if it is wise to you because, come on, I'm going to live my life. Anyone ever been there? You ever been in that situation where you kind of went, okay, I I heard what you said. I heard what you said. People that have raised me and loved me and cared for me for all of these years. I get it. Yep. Mm -hmm. Wise choices. How many of you made unwise choices based off of going against the wise opinion of your parent? And how many of you did not like the consequences of that? Yeah. So he said, listen, I'm wise. I know what I'm doing. So you need to go get her because I saw it. It's right for me. I want what I want. And it's good for me. So what did they do? Samson's family. They went to make arrangements for the marriage. And as they're going down, they're going down to Timnah, the the father and the mother and the whole caravan go down to go find this woman, which remains unnamed. They go down to find the family of this woman and make some arrangements, basically a business deal. How can I purchase this woman for my son to marry? How can we make our families have some sort of a pact? And as they're going down, mom and dad are going down, Samson's kind of sauntering behind. I guess that's kind of what, what you get to do when you're wise in your own eyes, right? You get to kind of saunter and do whatever. And he's going through a garden and he sees this lion and he's like, oh, is that a, 
Oh, hey, that thing looks a little angry. And it was, it was running towards him and it was roaring. And, and the spirit of the Lord, the scripture says, was upon Samson. And he took the line and he ripped it into pieces. I don't know about you, but every now and then when I walk in the dark and I'm outside and you hear that noise, right? I don't think that I'm going to catch something and rip it into pieces. I'm like, can I get back in the house? Anyone else? No, just me. Okay. The spirit of the Lord is upon him, and he tears this line apart. No big deal. He joins back with mom and dad. They go make the deal. They go have the talk, and they arrange, and then they set the date, and they say, okay, we're going to go back home. We're going to get everything ready for this ceremony. We're going to make sure that all that we have is ready for this marriage to happen because my son has decided to do what is right in his eyes. So Samson went from seeing something, saying, I want it. I just saw it. I I want it. You know, I think it'd be great to have it. To entitlement. I deserve it. Entitlement makes strong men weak. This attitude that I deserve it because I breathe. I deserve it because I did thus and so. I deserve for you to treat me this way because I treated you that way. Or I just deserve it because of who I am. Starting verse 8, after some days, after some time had passed, the whole family gets everything together. They load up the minivan. They have the U-Haul behind it because they got a lot of stuff, right? And so they're moving down. They're going down, and they're, they're returning for this marriage ceremony to happen. So Samson returned to take her as his bride. And as he's going going through the same place because we can't take a different route, right? We always have to go the same way because we're creatures of habit, right? And he turned aside to see the carcass of that lion that he had torn to pieces. He took a little detour and he remembered, he remembered his glorious victory over that lion. And behold, as he looked at it, there was a swarm of bees in the body of the lion and honey so, of course, he did what any guy would go. He'd go poke it with a stick. You know, okay, well, that's not bad. And he reaches his hand in there. He scraped out the honey in his hands. And he went on eating it as he went. Seems like no big deal, right? But in that moment, Samson broke his vow to God. He broke his vow to God because he touched a dead animal, which was unclean. And then he ate from the dead animal, which was unclean eating. And in that moment, Samson broke a vow for just a handful of honey. So he's walking along, just eating the honey, which I don't really understand that because I don't like the whole sticky thing. But he came to to his father and his mother and he's like, look, I got honey. And he gave some to his father and his mother, and he gave it to them, and they ate. But he didn't tell them. He didn't tell them where he had scraped the honey. He didn't tell them that he'd taken it out of the carcass of a lion. And he let his appetite, his appetite 
tell him that he deserved something that he knew was off limits. He let his appetite for, in, in saying, oh, it's honey and it's good and I'm hungry and, well, I really like that honey and it looks good because it came out of, you know, something that I, I did, right? He knew it was off limits. He took it and then he pulled his family into it. You're like, what's the big deal? It's just honey. It, it was a little treat, just a little treat. But see, what happens is lust, I want it. Entitlement, I deserve it. Lust and entitlement, they seduce us. They seduce us into making decisions like leaving a faithful relationship with a spouse and wrecking, destroying a home. That, that those ideas that I want and I deserve, they, they lead us to purchase things like boats and homes and cars and toys and all kinds of things that we can't afford instead of giving generously to the church or even taking care of some of our basic family needs. But we say, listen, listen, I, you know, that's for all these other people. That stuff doesn't happen to me. It won't happen to me. Which leads me to the next one, pride. I can handle it. Pride makes strong men weak. Samson and his family took a Nazarite vow to never cut their hair, to never touch a dead thing, to never eat unclean, and to never get <coughs> drunk. Listen, I can handle it. No big deal. So it came about time. They're ready for the wedding. They're down there in Timnah. Judges 14.10. His father went down to the woman to make sure that everything was okay, to make sure that all the arrangements had been made. And Samson prepared a feast there. In other words, this is the Old Testament version of saying, Samson threw a bachelor party because that was what young men used to do. Okay, they probably still do it, right? But Samson, he was fueled by pride, decided that he could handle anything that came towards him. I mean, because he saw and he ate from the lion, right? He saw and he ate from it. He could handle anything that came his way. And anything that happened, he could handle it. So what I want you to pay attention to is anytime that you're drawn to something that is off limits for you, anytime that you're drawn to something that you know you should not do, Something that, that limits your faith, that limits your ability for other people to see that you follow Jesus, for them to hear the, the love that you have for God. Anytime that you're drawn to something that shines a light negatively on you and on your heavenly father, it should be off limits to you. But anytime you're drawn to it, this is what happens when the grip of sin is tightening in on you. Because our wants, they morph into desire. Our desire that grows to this idea that I deserve, and my deserve, it matures into full-blown pride. I want that car. I want that device. I want whatever it is. I want that relationship. I want that, that feeling. Besides, I work hard. And I'm a good person most of the time. Besides, I'm a good person. I, de I deserve it. 
And I saw that it destroyed that other person, but, and, it, and it made things hard, and, and it wrecked their finances or whatever, but I can handle it. I know how to beat the system. Besides, it's just one more payment. It's just one night. Nobody's looking. Or I'm just looking. No big deal. Samson ended up at the very end, we'll find out, with his eyes gouged out. The laughing stock of the Philistines. Because he allowed lust, entitlement, and pride to make a strong man weak. And that path, if we choose to follow it, it results in things like divorce. It results in things like lost relationships with your kids that you may never get back. It results in financial disaster, loss of integrity, loss of reputation, all for a handful of honey. But remember, he was a Nazarite, and he hadn't cut his hair. So on the outside, Samson looked like he was following God. He had the long hair to prove it. He had the attendance to prove it. He had the bumper sticker, the post on social media to prove it. But on the inside, his heart had drifted. So what about you? Do you look the part? But on the inside, have you drifted from God? Are you there because you said, I can handle it? Did you tell God, God, I got this. Besides, I deserve it. Besides, I want it. So do you want, do you want to be a strong man of God? That's my prayer with my boys. Anytime I sit and pray with them before they go to bed is that God would grow them into a strong man of God. What does it look like? It means that you admit your weaknesses. You admit those areas where you struggle, where lust, that desire, that insatiable desire for more, that lustful, not just sexual, but in any area of life, that lust and entitlement and that pride, those things that weaken a strong man, that wreak havoc in your inner life. You got to get rid of those things. You got you to investigate that. Look for lust, entitlement, and pride and stomp it out. So what does God use to make weak men strong? What is it that God uses to make weak men strong? In 2 Corinthians, Paul says that my grace, that's the grace of Jesus, is sufficient for you. And my power is made perfect in weakness. What is it that, that makes weak men strong? Jesus. The grace of Jesus. Not only that, passion for God makes weak men strong. Passion for God. He's saying, you know what? Above all else, my passion will be following God. 
passion for God makes weak men strong. Jackson read the scripture earlier. He said, I write to you young men because you are strong. I write to you young men because you're strong and the word of God abides in you. The word of God is in you and you have overcome the evil one. The second thing that makes weak men strong is gratefulness. Gratefulness, not, not just gratefulness for, you know, somebody giving you something that you didn't deserve, but ultimately understanding that you deserve death. You deserve this eternal separation from God, but because of Jesus, you have a relationship with your heavenly father by the name of Jesus. So gratefulness makes weak men strong, and by his name, by faith in his name, he has made this man strong whom you see and know, and and the faith that is through Jesus has given this man perfect health. This is an ax, right? And it's the guy that had been healed by John and Peter. It was through the name of Jesus that he was made perfect. Gratefulness for that. It was done in the presence of you all. And the third thing that makes weak men strong is reliance on God. Paul exhorts the church in Ephesus. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Passion, gratitude, and reliance make weak men strong.